You would think that after three movies, several deaths, catastrophes on different islands, and the presence of dinosaurs in the world would tell these people to stop trying to make a theme park. This is Jurassic World. Video Store Wasteland. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Store Wasteland. I am your host, Brian, and here I am once again presenting another film in the Jurassic Park Jurassic World series. This time we're doing the 2015 movie Jurassic World. Now, uh, like I mentioned in the previous episodes, we're doing this in uh, anticipation and preparation of the newest one coming out, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, now that at, at the time of, as I'm recording this, uh, I guess the tomato score was released and revealed and it's holding at a 40%. So, uh, let's see how that goes, huh? <laughs> that as in, you know, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, and anyway, this one, uh, Jurassic World, uh, before we actually get into how we're going to get, you know, do these things usually, the movie that I guess had been in sort of pre-production stuff since 20, or there I go, I was going to call it 2005, but 2005. Uh, so it's been a movie that's, I guess, been in uh, development for a while. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and do what we always do here and look at the movies and events that came out in the year 2015. Ah, shit. Here we go again. All right. So what we're going to go ahead and do like we do here is we're going to look at the top grossing films of 2015 to just sort of get a hint of what people were watching that year in terms of going to the movies. Uh, That year we have Star Wars The Force Awakens. I will finish what you started. Jurassic World, Furious 7, Avengers Age of Ultron, Minions, Spectre, which is a James Bond movie, Inside Out, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2, and The Martian. Uh, and now if we're looking at <laughs> if we're looking at all this, there's only one original idea that made it to the top 10 grossing movies of that year, and that was Inside Out. Uh, so uh, we're already getting to that point where most movies are going to be most top grossing movies are sequels, adaptations, remakes, and 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 the like. But uh, I think this is also when I guess prestige television starts to get, like coming out. And by that I mean like golden age of TV stuff. So Netflix releasing a bunch of stuff, and I don't I forget when HBO Max was coming out. Obviously, this is the time of Game of Thrones was on TV, uh, Breaking Bad had already finished for a bit, I think. So you have this already contrast between movies and TV that that is ever-present. And at this time, Netflix was king. So in terms of TV outside of, uh, you know, AMC, HBO, it was just Netflix. And in terms of uh, top awarded movies that year, we are looking at Spotlight and The Revenant. Spotlight is... Uh, I think about the Boston Globe uncovering the sexual abuse uh, done by the Catholic Church. And it's a great, it's a great movie. I mean, go ahead and watch that. It's a fantastic movie. It is a heavy movie, though. So if you're not into heavy movies, you know, you can skip it. But if you're into that drama, you go ahead and watch it because it is, it is dramatic. Uh, and then other movies coming out in the year 2015 are... Things like The Big Short, Krampus, which uh, I I really I really like Krampus. Krampus is a adaptation of a Germanic folktale of basically Santa's counterpart, but it's a horror movie, and it's one of them that actually has like practical effects. Dude, it's so good. Uh, I'll do I'll do that for our Christmas Christmas time episodes. Obviously, it's a. Uh, it's June. <laughs> uh, other movies that year, also Mad Max Fury Road. We have Pixels, The Hateful Eight, Creed, Ant-Man came out that year. Terminator Genesis, The Witch, which is uh, Robert Eggers' first feature. And Robert Eggers is the guy who did The Lighthouse, who did The Northman, 
I think I saw these movies start with the, but uh, fantastic director, fantastic like movies, all those. I I love the Lighthouse. Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies, and uh, you know the Northman's great movie. If you want to go watch that, I th- it's I think you can get it on Peacock, and I forget, and obviously you can rent it. But Green Room came out that year, Straight Outta Compton, which is the uh, biopic on NWA. So I'll let them say what I feel. Uh, uh, that year we also have National Lampoon's remake of the Vacation movies, which was a disaster. Uh, Fantastic Four by uh, Jonathan Trank. And if you know the story behind that one, you know that's a disaster as well. And you understand why he's not working in the industry no more. And a Hardcore Henry came out the year in the reason I mentioned that last one specifically is that it's a movie completely done in first person point of view. So, I mean, if you know what uh, first person point of view means, if you played any of the Call of Duty games, any shooter games, really, that's first person point of view. So Call of Duty, Halo, uh, stuff like that. Um, Which, by the way, did you guys watch the Halo TV show? I didn't think so. Um, I did. I'd like to do a little rundown review of it, but I'll do that eventually when we when I do more TV stuff. I'll probably do it with uh, my friends Kiefer and Derek, who were on the Batman episode. And if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and listen to our Batman episode, then watch the Batman movie. Uh, why not? All right. So that's sort of the movies that were coming out in the year 2015. That year as well as, uh, obviously, we had President Barack Obama in office. Uh, well, I forget when Donald Trump did his announcement that Mexicans are and all that, but that was that was soon after that, I think. But uh, nevertheless, let's look at the let's look at sports of that year. Uh, in that year, we in the Super Bowl we have the New England New England Patriots beating the Seattle Seahawks twenty eight to twenty four. I forget if that was the Super Bowl where they forgot to run the ball. Uh, and by forgot to run the ball, I mean like they were on like the one yard line and they didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch to win the Super Bowl. Instead, they passed the damn ball and that made them lose. I'm not a Seahawks fan and I'm not, I don't hate the Patriots. But the fact that that happened was ridiculous, man. They got intercepted at the one-yard line. They could have won the damn Super Bowl if they just ran the ball. Uh, (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) that's enough of that. In uh, basketball news, in basketball news, in terms of the NBA finals for that year, we have the Golden State Warriors beating out the Cleveland Cavaliers four games to two. Uh, I forget what year the the Golden State like dynasty that was, but uh, you know that was Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Great series that year, if I remember correctly. Fantastic series that year for for you know for uh, the NBA and in the oh look at this. For the World Series, we have the Kansas World Series being baseball. We have the Kansas City Royals defeating the New York Mets in five games. Oh, man. Sad, sad, sad for the Mets. I think that was the last time the Mets ever tried to do anything. And this year, the Mets are good. But, you know, let's see how that goes. Because it is the Mets. So we're going to go ahead and play the, the song a little bit. The Mets, the Mets. All right. And in the NHL, which is ice hockey here in the United States, in the Stanley Cup Finals, or I don't even think they call it the Stanley Cup Finals, but in the Stanley Cup, we have the Chicago Blackhawks defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning in a four games to two series, and uh, and that one wins them their sixth Stanley Cup overall, and I. Th- think that was the last of their three and five years yeah because uh kings won 2012 and 2014 so that means they won 11 13 and 15 so yeah there you go that that's uh 
So we're looking at in terms of sport that came out that year. Pretty, pretty interesting, I think. I know I, I like listing off that stuff because Jurassic World, I think, came out that year in, uh, was it June? Because that year as well, uh, June or July, because that year as well, Avengers came out and Avengers, or most Marvel movies, big ones come out in May. So May came out that one and June, July would be Jurassic World. So that summer was ridiculous. Um, that year, that summer as well, or that year as well, I graduated from uh, Cal State Long Beach. Woo, it's been forever. It's been seven years since this happened. This is crazy how the time goes by like that. But uh, that was a crazy, 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 crazy year for movies. Like I said, just Star Wars came and Force Awakens came out that year. You know, Jurassic World, we have the seventh Fast and Furious movie. You have Avengers coming out that year. Avengers 2 coming out that year. And I think, I think as well that year was uh, one of the, uh, no, no, the year before was the last Hobbit movie. Anyway, the Hobbit movies are, are a disaster to themselves. But uh, I digress. We're going to go ahead and move on from uh, the 2015 in movies and in sports, since this is a movie and sports podcast now, I guess. Uh, we're going to move on to the cast and crew of Jurassic World. What kind of a diet doesn't allow tequila? All of them, actually. All right. So the cast and crew of Jurassic World. Uh, so this one does bring back. Uh, at least one character from the Jurassic Park series. And I think this was the last remaining of the surviving characters from Jurassic Park to appear in one of the movies. The previous being, uh, you know, Sam Neill's character, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Laura Dern, and now B.D. Wong, uh, the two kids. Uh, B.D. Wong coming back as Dr. Wu, for, uh, who is the chief uh, biologist and chief scientist in uh, Jurassic Park. Now he's the, you know, chief geneticist here in uh, Jurassic World. Uh, and uh, other people in this, we have Chris Pratt, who plays Owen Grady. Sometimes when I wipe, I'll wipe and I'll wipe and I'll wipe and I'll wipe a hundred times. Still poop, still poop. Let me check that. It's like I'm wiping a marker or something. Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, who is <laughs> who's Ron Howard's daughter, so that's that's pretty funny because uh, the only the only thing that they resemble is the red hair, man. Uh, Ron Howard, you 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 plucky little redhead. Uh, great director too. I like I like his movies. Uh, Ifrin Khan plays Masrani, who takes over kind of the role of a John Hammond type in this one. Or not really. I think that would be more brass. Brass. Bryce Dallas Howard's character because uh, she's the park director and uh, Efren Khan is just the uh, financier uh, we have Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, Vince Hos- Vic Hoskins and if you do not know who Vincent D'Onofrio is he was in Full Metal Jacket he's uh, he's. I'll, I'll see if I could find a good clip of him uh, Seven six two millimeter full metal jacket. But he also plays uh, Kingpin in the uh, Dead or Devil MCU stuff. So there you go. We have Jake Johnson coming in as Lowry, and he was in. The New Girl series, I, I enjoyed that one. And he was also in Colin Trevorrow's movie, Safety Not Guaranteed. So I guess that's why they bring him over. Judy Greer is in here as the mother character because she's basically typecasted as a mom. And I say this too because she was also in Krampus as the the mom. Uh, and Andy Buckley playing Scott. And if you do not know who Andy Buckley is, if you're a fan of The Office, you sure as hell do know because he is David Wallace. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Uh, look, it's no secret. Hi. Hello? Right. So that's the cast of it. So it's a lot of big names. There's not really anybody who's coming up other than the two kids, really. Uh, so. You have that going on for for the uh, movie. You have name recognition, and that's a lot 
for a lot of movies. And actually, I'm going to bring this up now before we get into it. Kind of funny because I did look into who was considered for the role of Owen Grady. We have Henry Cavill, who's obviously, yeah, you would probably consider him. Josh Brolin, who is Thanos. We have John Krasinski. <laughs> Jason Statham was considered. And uh, Jason Sudeikis as well. I don't know why that, I don't, I don't see him as an action movie guy. But also, the one and only golden god, Glenn Howerton, was considered as well. To be the king of the mountaintop. I am the king of the mountaintop. I reign supreme over everyone in this school. I am the golden god of this place. I reign supreme. I, I. So, I mean, that would have been hilarious if they got Glenn Howerton to play play this fucking macho man type in here because he did. <laughs> man, if you watch Holy Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, he just plays it. He's not really it you know it's fucking great oh man y'all should watch some holy sunny in philadelphia it's good for the soul it's good to see uh horrible people doing horrible things (laughs) and i don't mean the donald trump presidency (laughs) anyway uh now let's look at the crew for 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 jurassic world we have like i mentioned before colin favaro who, uh, other than this, oh, he's the director, and he was the writer for it. Other than this, he did Safety Not Guaranteed and Book of Henry. I've only seen Safety Not Guaranteed, and I've only heard of Book of Henry, and I've heard okay things about it. But, uh, you know what, I'll get to it after I mention the writers. Uh, The story was by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who did Rise, Dawn, and War of the Planet of the Apes and the Mulan uh, movie from 2022. We have Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly, who were the writers for this one. Derek Connolly specifically had wrote, uh, other than this, the Detective Pikachu movie, which I love it. It's a great movie. Probably watch it after this. And uh, Kong Skull Island uh, as well. And uh, now, Trevorrow and Colin, Colony, Connolly <laughs> were, they were supposed to write the ninth Star Wars movie. So what became Rise of Skywalker, they wrote the story for. But Trevorrow was taken off as director, and they brought back in J.J. Abrams. Now, was that a mistake? We'll never know, really. I've seen some of the concept art for Trevorrow's uh, episode nine, and it looked it looked honestly more interesting than what we got. I'm I'm not gonna do too much talk too much about episode nine here. I'm just gonna say it was what it was. It is what it is. Let's just move on from it. Because, you know, Mandalorian Season 3 comes out next year. And that's, that's the bright spot we have for, for, for Star Wars currently. Now, uh, for cinematographer, we have John Swartzman, who did things like uh, The Rock, Pearl Harbor, Armageddon. So automatically, you have three uh, Michael Bay movies. And after watching Jurassic World again, it's kind of obvious that he did do Michael Bay movies because the explosions look very Bay-esque. It has that uh, element of Bayham to it, which is, I guess, what you would call his, uh, his, as in Michael Bay's, auteur style. Uh, Not to bring it back to critical theory there, but yeah. Uh, He also did Seabiscuit and the second two Fifty Shades movies. Uh, I don't know what they're called. I think one of them is like Fifty Shades Freed or something. And he also did the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, for editor, we have a familiar name if you've listened to this uh, program. We have Kevin Stitt, who was the editor for 42, the Jackie Robinson movie. He also did X-Men from 2000 and Cloverfield and Lethal Weapon 4. For notables coming back, we do have Michael Tippett, who was the dinosaur supervisor for the Jurassic Park series. I believe he was also the man who inspired this line from the from the movie Jurassic Park. We're out of a job. Don't you mean extinct? 
And uh, composer, we have Michael Giacchino, who I could sit here and list all the stuff he's done, but he's done so much. He's he's basically like the go-to guy right now. So I believe the last couple Pixar movies have been done by him. All the amazing Spider-Man movies were done by him. Um, so he's just like in there constantly he's like if you've seen one of the big blockbuster movies in recent years chances are that michael giacchino was the uh, composer for that one so looking into the cast and crew for this one there is a little bit of hope to it because uh you have you have some established names you have people who've done worked on you know at least good projects so, uh, you know, that sets up for Jurassic World to do something, right? Uh, and I guess it kind of does. So before I, I, like, bleed into just discussion, I'm just going to go ahead and cut it here, and we're going to go ahead and go into the discussion of Jurassic World. What did I just say? Delta, I see you. Back up. Okay. Good. Good. All right, let's talk about Jurassic World. Now, this is the fourth movie, fourth installment, whatever you want to call it, in the Jurassic franchise. Let's just call it that because it is Jurassic Park, Jurassic World stuff. This was, this is interesting because this one is completely like, I guess it almost ignores the things that happened in Jurassic Park 3 and in Lost World a little bit. Because it's almost like a direct sequel to Jurassic Park. Uh, that the reason I say that is because it doesn't even reference anything from Lost World. Doesn't reference Malcolm or anything like that, or Site B. Nothing like that. It's definitely this just takes everything from Jurassic Park. By takes everything, I mean it. It uh, it stands on whatever Jurassic Park built, and that's almost literally because the whole island is the same island as, uh, you know, from the first movie. So this is Isla Nublar. And they built it, like, directly in inside the park area where the paddocks are. So, like, when you see... Uh, so this, is, this movie as well is the first one that doesn't open with a dinosaur attack. So it opens with the uh, Indominus hatching from the egg. And then you go to the, the ever-present Steven Spielberg... Uh, themes of broken families, which you know, this one when when it opens, it has uh, the parents sending off the kids to the island to meet their aunt, which is their aunt is uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character of Claire Deering in this one. So you have David Wallace, and <laughs> I'm just gonna call him David Wallace because that's just how I know him. Uh, but that I don't even know the the actor's name, but he's David Wallace from The Office. Uh, him and Judy Greer characters send off the kids over there, and and later on it is explained that they're in the middle of a divorce because the little kid starts crying over the fact that they he found divorce papers or divorce lawyer information, and um, you know, I guess that's cool if that had any sort of. Uh, significance to the narrative but there's a lot of stuff in this movie that it had they taken it out in terms of storyline it it wouldn't affected the main story of the movie so you could have could have gotten rid of the parents being divorced and that wouldn't have done too much to it you could have uh taken out the romantic subplot between uh a romantic history really between Chris Pat's character and Bryce Dallas Howard's character, and it wouldn't have affected the movie because you didn't. They didn't. They didn't need to have that history beforehand. And they could have just started it from here, but you know, neither here, neither here nor there. Uh, the movie does open up with uh, really quickly. When I mean open up, like it goes goes from the dinosaur hatching to the kids being sent off to them entering the island really quick. So they go on the monorail that goes through the original gates of Jurassic Park. So already we're setting up lots of uh, callbacks and, and, you know, 
what you could say, fan service. And if you listen to my Jurassic Park 3 episode, you got a little clip from the Scream movie from 2022, which kind of explains a little bit more about uh, what fan service and fan fiction stuff is. So, you know, there's that. Again, like I was mentioning in uh, the Lost World episode, that doesn't necessarily take away from the movie and doesn't necessarily add to the movie. It depends how they use it. Uh, if you're just having the fan service or the callbacks there to have callbacks for no good reason, then I guess so. But if you're using it to use it and it adds to the narrative, and then then you go, you have a you know life found a way at that point, and uh, <laughs> life found a way. Uh, so here is where we first actually see an actual fully functioning theme park of dinosaurs this wasn't in any of the other ones because if you remember from jurassic park that wasn't a fully functioning theme park yet it was still under construction and the reason that the scientists get brought to the island is so they can give their approval to whether or not the island is is you know fit to open up to the public this one has already been opened up. And I guess uh, I was looking into it. The, like, I guess, website that they had for the movie itself, it establishes that the park had been open since 2005. I almost said 2005 again. Uh, <laughs> but it's been open since 2005, the park. And I guess that's when they started sort of development into this movie. So four years after Jurassic Park 3, they started development into Jurassic World or what would eventually become Jurassic World. And I looked in, into it, I guess, the story for this one. A lot of the ideas were Spielberg's ideas. Obviously, he's not going to come back to make another Jurassic sequel. As far as it goes, the only sequels he's ever done have been to Jurassic Park and to Indiana Jones. Uh, so, because, you know, the story behind Indiana Jones is that he wanted to make a James Bond movie, but the studios were like, no, we're not going to let you do it. So he and Lucas came up with an idea for their own, and that became Indiana Jones. So it's kind of cool that he went outside the system to do that himself. But I digress from a side. It's not about, this, isn't, this isn't about Indiana Jones. This is Jurassic World. Come on, get back on topic, Brian. So you see an actual fully open park. So... You know, there's a main down, like a downtown area, like there is in all these theme parks. You know, you go to, you go to Disneyland, and there's Main Street USA. You go down to Universal Studios. There's the main studio uh, uh, street that you go down to before. You, it's like a main hub area. Uh, I can't really say the same thing for like knots. Knots is sort of just like a fairground sort of uh, layout to it. And actually, uh, in Jurassic World, it's interesting that the main Main Street area is called Winston's because, uh, you know, after Stan Winston, because I think Stan Winston died in 2008, so he wasn't able to come and work on this one. But we do have Phil Tippett, uh, like I mentioned before, he came back and, and worked as the dinosaur supervisor. I think Dinosaur Wrangler was his uh, official title. And artificial credit in Jurassic Park. <laughs> good job, Phil Tippett. Very good job at wrangling all those dinosaurs. Anyway, uh, it's cool to see because it's it's uh, the way the movie established is that it's an established park or a, an existing park. It shows you the different things that could be there. So different attractions. You have the little baby dinosaur petting zoo which is cool, you know. I'm just going to say this now before I mention all the things that I had there. I wanted to come into this movie and, and try to, like, say, oh, man, it's just, like, one of those fan service type movies that brings, it's trying to, like, milk people's uh, nostalgia for things. And while it does, I still enjoyed it. I still really enjoyed it, like, Watching it, I still smile like I did like the first time I watched it in 2015. It's crazy to think about. Like I, I wanted to be jaded about it. I wanted to, but I couldn't. 
because having watched Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 previous to this and then watching this, you're like, I needed a good adventure. This is like, as much as a popcorn movie Jurassic Park 3 was, and as much as an adventure movie Lost World was, Jurassic World does stand out as more of that. And as much as it does, like, it doesn't really show the dinosaurs as animals or uses practical effects in it. I still really enjoyed the hell out of it. So that's what I'm just going to say now before I get more into the movie. Uh, so, yeah, like I was mentioning before, the, there's the dinosaur, little dinosaur, baby dinosaur, uh, you know, a petting zoo thing. And, you know, that little baby triceratops, little baby patasauruses, galamimus, stuff like that. It's cool, man. Like, if I were, like, five, four years old, I would have I would have been riding those those triceratops are you kidding me <laughs> uh and the other things in the park you know they have the mosasaur encounter which is like uh sea world-esque where you know mosasaur is an aquatic reptile so they just like a uh, like in Sh- the shamu little exhibit where you know they're swimming around and they have to do tricks and whatnot then they have you know different feeding encounters uh, over here and whatnot they have the t-rex feeding encounter and an interesting thing to note, and I guess that's been brought up by Colin Trevorrow himself, is that this is uh, the T Rex in this movie is the same one from uh, the Jurassic Park movie. So it's been twenty two years when this movie was when uh, Jurassic World was released since Jurassic Park was released, which is crazy to think because it's weird to think that I was twenty two years old when the when this movie came out. So, you know, time, time's, time's weird, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you get that establishment through that it's a park and that it's, it's fully operational. And then you go to, you know, Claire Deering trying to sell the Indominus where she, uh, goes and, and does, does the thing that John Hammond does. Uh, she, she welcomes everybody to the park. Welcome to Jurassic World. And from here you get, so I I have heard criticism that there's a, too much product placement in this movie, and I get it. It is interesting. You're kind of over the top sometimes. Because, you know, there's a part where the kids are on the monorail and he's the, the older kid has headphones on and it beats by Dre, but specifically he's turning his head toward and and as i'm as i'm recording this i'm turning my head too so i don't know why it's not it's not a video uh video coming soon hopefully as soon as i can get some cameras uh but he turns his head and and you clearly see the beats by dre logo so you're like okay i guess but then then when it gets satirical is the fact that everything in the park is sponsored so you have like things on the side that says like uh, Teradon, uh, an IMAX experience. And there's like Pepsi over here, Coke over here, you know, uh, the John Hammond, in, uh, innovation center brought to you by Verizon and stuff like that. And in the, in the movie too, Jake Johnson's character doesn't take a note of it. Uh, I'll go ahead and play the clip if I can find it, uh, right here. Verizon wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Oh, that is so terrible. And why not just go the distance, Claire, and just let these corporations name the dinosaurs? They've got all the ballparks. Why stop there? Why are the West Plains closed? Another packy roaming outside his zone, but he's fully sedated and ready for relocation. Pepsi stars, Tostito dome. So you have that. She she's trying to sell the Indominus to sponsors, and uh, she goes to show the them like what what it is. And if you know anything, oh, if you've seen the movie, obviously you know what the Indominus is. Is a genetically modified creature. It's not a creature that was bred it was a creature that was designed and i guess that was a big thing in uh, the jurassic park books uh, and i think there's some lines from from the book that really that were brought over to the movie i guess one of them was like uh an, an encounter between dr Wu and john hammond where he's like nothing here is natural and that is right nothing there is natural uh, I think I can bring up the line here where where Wu tells him like you wanted 
You wanted theme park monsters, not not animals. I never imagined. Who authorized you to do this? You did. Bigger, scarier, um, cooler. I believe is the word that you used in your memo. You cannot have an animal with exaggerated predator features without the corresponding behavioral traits. So you have that sort of established. You already have the the essence of chaos, as as uh, Ian Malcolm had said in uh, in Jurassic Park already being set up in this movie. So you know something bad is going to happen because, uh, A, the disclosure of what the Indominus is made of is not ever given. <laughs> so you don't know what the hell this thing's going to do. And, B, you don't know... I know recently there's been, like, a genetic uh, experiment done on hamsters to make them less aggressive, but it just made them more aggressive. Because they try to take out like the aggression gene, so ought to, you should know that like if you're messing with nature, something bad's gonna happen. If you play God, something bad is gonna happen, you know. So that's what they're doing here. Essentially, the entirety of Jurassic World is playing with God. So is Jurassic Park. So that's why I kind of, kind of like this movie too. I mean, like it tries to to at least build on some of the themes from Jurassic Park. And and it's cool, really. It is. Because uh, then you go from here to the, the introduction of like Owen Grady stuff where he's training the raptors and I guess uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character wants to make them into military machines and whatnot. So you have that sort of conflict between there. So you already have the conflict of man versus nature and man versus science. And you have the conflict of man versus man because uh, when I mean all this is like conflicts and narrative and at least all these are present. And they're done to a certain extent where it keeps you engaged with the movie. Not like with Jurassic Park 3. Sometimes it just sort of falls flat a little bit. At least to me, it did fall flat a little bit. So that's what's cool about Jurassic World. Um, so you're introduced to Owen Grady. You see the raptors and he's like training them. And, you know, there's incidents there. And obviously... You, yeah, Chris Pratt's working with the best he can because some of the lines sound a little weird because he, like, one of the guys falls into the enclosure and almost gets attacked by the raptors and he saves them. And that's where you get the famous, like, uh, raptor training scene where he's, like, stopping them and doing all that. And he's like, he says, like, what did he say? Oh, do you ever wonder why there was a job opening? He says it all weird, but I'm like, yeah, you're doing you're doing the best you can with what you're given, because he's a decent actor, really. I think so. If he's not doing his shtick from Parks and Rec or from Guardians, and he's not in you know the or or Lego Movie, you know, I, I he was in Lego Movie. I enjoyed the hell out of Lego Movie. If he's not doing that, it sounds a little weird because he's a funny man. He's he's like play. He's trying to play straight, and by by straight I mean like serious. That's what it means by by acting. You know, there you have the funny man and the straight man. So the guy who's making all the jokes and the guy who's uh bouncing, getting all the jokes bounced off of him. That's what that means. He's doing the best. <laughs> he's best. God damn it. Uh, so from here you have the setting up of the relationship between him and Claire or Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard's character. And like I said before, it didn't need, they didn't need to have a romantic past. It could have started from there. Cause you know, it kind of falls a little short because in late in the later movie or in the next movie, Jurassic world lost kingdom, they try to do it again, but it doesn't really fit. I think, from here, it does start going downhill pretty fast. By downhill, I mean like the events in the park. Because uh, as contrasted to Jurassic Park, which I think that one took over a few days, Lost World took over a couple weeks. Uh, Jurassic Park three, the whole events of like when the kid got lost on the island to when he got rescued was like eight weeks. This movie takes place in a couple hours. So from the time that the kids arrive to the island to the time where they leave the island, it may have been a day, maybe, maybe even less than a day. So everything went downhill pretty fast. 
because uh, then a- uh, after this is where you have the incident with the uh, Indominus, which interestingly enough, it's not really a a uh, Latin word because I guess to be without ruler is Indominus, Indominus, uh, Indomitus is like without king or something like that. But you know, it, it's supposed to be without without domain, uh, king without domain. I think. Uh, it was in Dominus Rex, uh, or Rex being king, and Dominus without reign or without realm, I think. I'm not exactly sure. I, I only speak Spanish and Italian. I don't speak Latin because no one speaks Latin except for the Catholic Church. And I am not a priest. <laughs> I'll save you guys spot in hell. <laughs> I hear it's lit. <laughs> lit, you get it? You know, fire. Uh, man. Making dad jokes on a podcast, why not? Anyway, um, so the kids get lost on the island because they try to go on the gyrosphere, which was Spielberg's idea because he he was like, we needed a way to show uh, them getting closer to the dinosaurs instead of just being in the Ford Ranger or Explorer. Rangers, I think, is the truck. But yeah, Ford Explorer is the uh, the car from the Jurassic Park movie. So that was his idea. They get up close and personal with that, and there's a uh, you know they shut down the park because the Indominus does ex- escape because a it camouflages apparently, and this is what you get from diff- taking different genes from different animals to make sure that it uh, survives. Because I think they took like the cuttlefish gene from here, obviously the frog DNA from there, T Rex, and later on it's uh, explained that it's part raptor, uh, but velociraptor. I mean. So there's the escape from the Indominus, and the kids are in the gyrosphere, and they're like, we need to get the kids back, but they get attacked by the Indominus there. And when it first shows up, dude, like, I that was cool. Like, honestly, like, I, I seeing, seeing, seeing Lost World, and, and it's cool, but that one's more serious. Like, that one's very, very somber movie, because it's about, like I, get, like I said in that episode, it's about survival. It's about... Uh, you know, existing and, and in same thing with Jurassic Park three, it's survival and it's about rescue. This one is about disaster and, and what could go wrong when you play, what could go even more wrong when you play with nature. It's so cool when he shows up. Cause he's like, how many dinosaurs are there? And he's like, no, there's five. And he's like, there's only four. But then it shows the, sh- the, uh, the not what do you call it what do you call it? the reflection wow the reflection of the indominus on the side of the gyrosphere and he's like no five and then it attacks dude it's like oh crap and i remember from watching it in the movie theater that was cool as hell too uh, i also watched lost world in the movie theater i remember that i don't think i watched jurassic park three in the movie theater uh but yeah i, I, I the, the jurassic world was cool watching in the movie theater um so you get that. So I think at this point we're like almost halfway into the movie because they get attacked uh, and the kids like jump off a waterfall to survive from, you know, to escape from the Indominus. Uh, and then from here, you know, that's when they find the old visitor center. Uh, and again, this is the more fan service parts of it because you get the point where they they go inside the visitor center on the floor there's the banner that says when dinosaurs ruled the earth there's uh you know you see the goggles for that uh tim had uh in the first movie the you know the ones where the the infrared night vision goggles where the lawyer says this where did you find this it locks under my seat are they heavy yeah then they're expensive put them back uh you see the jeep from from the from the movie which is a you know it was a 92 jeep wrangler safari um this is a car i would love to have so if anybody knows how i can get my hands on a 9092 jeep safari let me know and if anybody knows how i get my hands on 9092 jeep safari that it has the jurassic park colorings on it let me know i would gladly go out and get it from you um let me know at videostorewasteland at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, now, here's also where, you know, you have uh, Claire Deer going out with Owen Grady to find the kids. 
on the island. Uh, and that's where you see how you get it. They explain that, you know, that the Indominus is just going out and killing everything because at least they recognize that the Indominus is a monster in this one and not an animal because it's just going out and killing everything. It's not eating anything. It's just killing everything in sight because it doesn't know what it is, where it is, or what to do. So it does the one thing that it is genetically programmed to do. It is killing and that's what it does on the island. So it just kills everything, in, all the dinosaurs in sight. So you're in the Valley of the Apatosaur, and I think that's what it's called in the uh, soundtrack by Michael Giacchino. See, I've, I've probably listened to the soundtrack a lot for this one because Giacchino is a really good composer, I think. So you go there, and they find, like, the kids, and the kids, or the find where the kids are, and the kids manage to get, like, the a Jeep going up again. And honestly, this movie movies movie moves really quick. Cause after they find that, you know, they get it, or you know, Owen and or Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's character get attacked by the Indominus in the visitor center. And they move on really quickly from there to, uh, where Masrani's character, Ifrin Khan, the actor, uh, he gets, uh, he has a helicopter license and he tries to go out and, you know, do it for himself. He's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, if I'm the, if I'm the one financing this, I'm going to be the one who, uh, you know, finishes it. Right. But, you know, unfortunately he can't because, uh, he gets attacked by the pterosaurs, which the Indominus releases because it goes in there and tries to attack them. And again, this thing is trying to figure out what it's doing and what's going on. Not unlike most people in life. <laughs> Lord knows I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so from here on out is where you have more of the attacks on the main part of the, I guess, theme park resort area. So, you know, this is where you have the pterosaurs going out and, and attacking all the people with the famous Jimmy Buffett scene where, uh, I mean, he, the, the man's straight, that's a straight mood right there, man. He's going and he's saving the only thing important to him, margaritas. Trust me, when you have a good margarita, you know. You know it's worth saving. <laughs> uh, so that happens in the movie and this is where you have the babysitter assistant character being lifted up by one of the pterodons and being fed to essentially fed to the mosasaur then from then you go from here to the nighttime portion where it's uh they're finally using the raptors as weapons because engine sends out their their personal security team at this point and it's kind of funny because they do kind of look cartoonish because it's like they look like like toys. And I guess I was reading that a lot of the designs for the for those characters, at least, were taken from the toy designs from Jurassic Park. So, I mean, that's cool. Uh, again, that does kind of fall into under... Uh, what's it called? Fan service stuff, and under the territory of it being very cool. If you if you get the reference, you get the reference. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so you, it kind of snowballs from there. You have the that, and that's where you discover that the the Indominus is is uh, is part raptor. I guess. Honestly. This is where it feels like it was written by the people who did War or Rise, Dawn, and War of the Planet of the Apes, because that's where you know you get the intense stuff in it. You get stuff about betrayal and all that, because uh, it it kind of does towards the end of the movie mirrors a little bit of the end of Jurassic Park, where they go. Not exactly a raptors in the kitchen scene, but the whole encounter at the uh, visitor center in Jurassic Park gets kind of mirrored in the innovate. It's called the Innovation Center in Jurassic World. You know, the raptors go in there and you know attack uh, Vic Hoskins' character, which is Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, the actor. The actor, <laughs> sorry, a little Back to the Future reference there. Uh, 
he gets attacked by one of the raptors because he's like, oh, no, we're going to use him as weapons. And obviously you can't control an animal, uh, really, at all. I mean, you could control a dog. Dogs can be trained as uh, assistants and weapons of war. But a dog will still turn on you whenever it can or whenever, whenever it feels like, you know. You can't really train a cat. You could train it for belly rubs. Let's see. Come here, cat. No, he doesn't want to. Whatever. And it's not like you guys can see. Anyway. Uh, so the end of the movie is that where, where I say, when I said from Jurassic Park 3, where they're like, we need more, or from, from Lost World, when it was like, hey, we need more teeth. And that's where that comes from. From here, from this movie. I'll just play the clip here. The last sequence is kind of cool. Because it's like, oh, that's where they bring back the T-Rex. And, and as much of a battle as it, it does seem like, I don't understand why the T-Rex would go directly to attack them. But, you know, whatever. It's, it is what it is. When you, when you turn off your critical mind for certain things and just enjoy the food that you're being fed, it's, enjoy, it's enjoyable. It's uh, very enjoyable, I think. Because uh, it's, again, like, I, like I said when I, uh, earlier, I wanted to go into this one, into this one, very jaded and very like critical of it, but like I still enjoyed it a lot more than I did uh, uh, Jurassic Park three. And as as much fatigue as I am on franchises, at least this one was like ah, <laughs> it's not the same thing over and over again, which kind of was the same thing a little bit, you know the the island gets torn apart by the dinosaur or whatever. But nevertheless, it's still still something I would say, like, you know, watch it. Like, uh, I guess right now, if I'm going to do the rankings of the, of the movies, I'm going to go Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Lost World, Jurassic Park 3. So this is just uh, four movies now, right? Yeah. We had four movies, and, uh, you know, we'll see you uh, for, for tomorrow's or whenever you listen to it, for Jurassic World Lost Kingdom. But uh, I'll just go ahead and, yeah, I'll recommend it. it I, well, obviously, there's no rentals no more, so go go see it on one of the streaming services. If you have cable TV, it plays a lot on TBS or on FX. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of those where I'll just sit down and watch whatever, whatever part it's in because, uh, again, like I said, it's an, it's an enjoyable movie. It's a roller coaster ride, and like these movies, you shouldn't really go into post post Jurassic Park three. You really shouldn't go into with a mind that it's going to live up to Jurassic Park. It's a serviceable sequel, and it's good re- reboot. I guess and that's what we technically would call this a requel. <laughs> Again, taken from. Uh, from Scream 2022, requel. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and do that. Uh, so I'm just going to do my little socials here. I am Video Store Wasteland on Instagram and on TikTok. I am VSWLPod on Twitter, mostly because Video Store Wasteland is too long of a Twitter handle, I guess. And if you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, go ahead and email me at VideoStoreWasteland at gmail.com. I am your host here, Brian. I love you guys, and I thank you for joining me here in the Wasteland. <laughs>